0: Hi Chris, how are you? Evening on, yes, am very well. What episode are we on?
1: We are on Wake from Sleep, episode 20 for the 6th of June, 2022. Something happened today, I think. Something happened today.
0: It's been a big day and I think we're going to dispense with the usual format.
1: Yeah, I think we should. We've got a fair bit to talk about. As promised last week, we said we'd try and get to WWDC, the Worldwide Developers Conference that Apple hosts once a year to announce their new platforms, normally just software, if that's not too much of a spoiler, live from Cupertino from the new campus via video, on YouTube and on Apple's platforms. And uh, I sat and watched it. Did you?
0: Yep, no, I watched it and I watched a bit of the build up throughout the day of people posting some photos. Did you know what? I wish they'd do more on their campus, just people posting photos because it looks so nice. The buildings, the trees, all of it just, just what a beautiful place.
1: Yeah, it does look a bit special. I think if I ever have reason to go to California, I always thought I'd do a bit of a pilgrimage to One Infinite Loop anyway to see sort of the birthplace of the Mac. And even if you just drive around in a circle and leave, I think they've got a store and a visitor center in One Infinite Loop. But now they've got the new Apple Park, Apple Campus. It, that looks just absolutely special.
0: Infinite Loop would be interesting to see, but it doesn't look very Apple in comparison when you see Apple Park, I think. It just dwarfs everything about it, don't you think?
1: I do agree, but special though it is, it's not where it all started. Uh, and I know it's not the, the garage that Wozniak and Jobs started it all in, which you could probably still go and look at and point at, and I bet real diehard Apple nerds do. But one Infinite Loop's close enough for me.
0: Yeah, do you know what? I'd be happy to do the tour. You know, if either
1: of us win the loss, we have to take the other one. That sounds like a deal to me. Should we get into the show? Let's get into it, because it has dangers of becoming a long one, doesn't it? I thought I'd kick off by just pointing out two of the music tracks that they were playing just before the event started, neither of which I'd heard the artists of before, so I think that proves my uh, my age. We had Damn Right Part 2 by Audrey Nuna and DJ Snake whatever that was. And what I actually quite liked, I liked the Behind the Sun track by Odessa. So I might have actually a look in, a look in my Apple Music and uh, see what that's like.
0: Whilst I know neither of those people or artists or bands or whatever they are, I um, quite enjoyed the music. I thought it was quite nice to have a bit of pre-show.
1: Yeah. And, you know, they were hinting towards the color and it was all sort of zoomed out towards the Swift logo at the end. It's, it was very slick, professional Apple production quality again.
0: Yeah. And they're really good. I thought, yeah, really good. Enjoy, enjoyed that. And then we start off with Tim. But do you know what I thought? I can't believe he didn't do something in person. He invited all those people to the Apple campus. And I expected, I didn't expect the whole thing to be in person, but I expected maybe they'd kick off. But I think from what it looked like from some of the photos showing, they were all distributed throughout the park. So maybe they couldn't do it all. You know, couldn't have Tim on a stage in real time.
1: I agree. I mean, it is a bit disappointing for everybody who went. There was a lottery to win the tickets. And I know developers from all over the world were invited. Paul Hudson, who I follow, who's a a Swift guru really and puts out a lot of learnings and things about swift ui and swift was invited there he made it there he put some pictures up over the day he was super excited i think to eat in the canteen or mac cafe cafe mac is that what they call it cafe max cafe max so uh, that was nice to see i agree with you it was, it was nice to see the pictures the tourist people went on all very good uh, I, I enjoyed the one from this morning where they were showing people around the building and somebody went back and sorted the lettering on one of the doors uh-huh. el capitan they, el capitan built all the rooms are named after previous os releases or some of them are and the one of the letters was slightly skew with uh, on the door somebody went and fixed the font which i appreciate
0: no i thought it was quite cool but do you know what if you're gonna have a developer center it's good to have the rooms have a bit of a bit of a geeky lean i, I quite appreciate that i think they're doing some good stuff
1: yeah they're really good i i completely agree anyway Good to see Tim looking very youthful I must say as he he gave the intro as he often does these days and then he went straight on to talking about developers. We didn't get the traditional we appreciate developers video this year which I thought was quite interesting. You normally get quite a a flashy build up to it saying thank you for all the work done here's all the money we've given back to you for using the store. So I wonder if they're treading a slightly careful line there about trying not to offend people by just ignoring it.
0: There's that but they also didn't have a little comedy skit did they they normally have a little something just to light in the room so maybe they've dispensed with that i don't know and so and they've been hit and miss hmm. I, th- I think to be fair but it's normally nice stuff something just to you know get you into it kind of thing
1: i think so maybe they just is this the audience they get now they know it's not just developers that are sitting watching the keynote It's the developers are more interested in the state of the union which comes after the, key- the keynote which we're missing to record this podcast so that's fine
0: yeah well we can, we can watch that later it's all available in the WWDC developer app or is it no? It's just the Apple developer app. Apologies.
1: Yep, it is. Uh, yeah, we can catch up on that again. Anyway, let's get started. So they talked about the new developer center. They talked about all the help they're giving to developers. Tech talks are now available to non-US devs because obviously you can only go to the developer center if you're in the US. They then talked about particularly reaching out to Saudi Arabia. I wasn't 100 sure of the optics of focusing on Saudi Arabia. They've, they've done some morally questionable things recently in the news depending on whatever perspective you've got i don't think that's that controversial to say so i thought that was a slightly odd thing to sort of pick out but i guess there's, there's developers in every country in the world and maybe that was just the example they picked
0: yeah yeah it does seem a bit, maybe they had a maybe there's a reason they did it but without yeah we don't know about who knows
1: we don't know about and as i say we'll, we'll avoid the politics but i just thought that was interesting and then they cut to craig Federiki, who is really the i suppose he's the owner of all apple software products or certainly he's the he's in charge of all apple software products so most of which got a mention during the keynote and he was super excited and his hair was on point as it often is
0: now he was spot on but he's also like the developers executive like all the developers like him he's got he's technical and he really does understand the technical side but he's got a really nice manner of of presenting technical features, I think. But when he's asked questions, he can technically explain what's going on.
1: Oh, he knows the stuff, no, no doubt about that. I, I did think his transition from standing in Apple Park being shot down into the basement was very marvel and a bit OTT. But such as you know, if you've got the ability to do these things, I guess you probably should.
0: Maybe that's where the budget went for the skit at the start, and he spent it on some of the transitions instead.
1: Yeah, transitions and product for Craig's hair, because it did look great. It's worth mentioning again, actually, so there we go. In fact, there was a shot of him running along a corridor, making it was all in place as as they went, so obviously they still get that uh, joke too. You just like him
0: because he makes your hair colour look cool.
1: Well, there's got to be a place for us silver foxes, and I think (laughs) Craig's setting the tone for us.
0: Hey, I'm just catching you up, mate. You're just a few <laughs> steps ahead of me.
1: <laughs> I've got a few years in your mouth. Right, okay. They dove straight into iOS 16, which probably isn't a surprise. It's the biggest platform. It's the thing most people who make use of Apple products see. It's, an, it's on their phones, it's the their devices. It's in front of their fingers, literally, you know, for millions of people every day. So they kicked off with probably the most interesting, exciting feature for it. Do you want to run us through that, Chris?
0: Yeah, sure, Candy. So yeah, lock, lock screen straight off the bat, which... I was surprised it went straight in with the lock screen because it's like, well, this is the thing everybody's been hearing about and wanting. I thought they might have done some of the the duller stuff and and kind of warmed up to it. But no, I thought it looked great. So it looks to me like they've taken some of the linens of how you customise the watch interface and put it on on the lock screen, which was what I thought when I started seeing it. So if I'm right or wrong, you can have different fonts and colours for the clock, which is nice because it's kind of got a bit dull in more recent years. You can have if you i think if you use the portrait camera i don't know if it works on non-portrait photos but you can have like you know a person's face in front of the time a little bit and have the time slightly behind so we've got some really nice depth effects in there and you can put widgets on the home screen they've left the camera and the torch buttons in the same place i guess that's just for people's muscle memory but no i thought it looked really good i did take quite a few notes on it but just having all the widgets and that and they've 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 also made it so they can group all the notifications together and have them down the bottom out the way so you can still see a photo or or widgets if you've got them so i uh, know i thought it looked really good i think their implementation is good hopefully enough level of customization but would still look good no matter what you did to it kind of thing if you know what i mean like you can customize it but within bounds and I, I, it looked like on the face of it they got the level right what did you think
1: yeah i agree i for those that aren't familiar with with the watch and the way you customize things on it you do a long press on the watch face and you can tap on a complication which is the sort of the little additional widgets to give you information on what's going on and you can scroll between them and change the color of them and that appeared to be carrying over to the customization on the phone uh, as you said for the lock screen so you can press and long hold on the on the what on the phone face swipe across for different fonts for the clock which is good everybody's phones looks the same so a little bit more customization as they did previously with widgets and things like that is welcome colors the depth effect on portraits you were quite right that was very cool craig scaled a picture of his family down a little bit underneath the clock and then they sort of popped in front of them using that depth effect. There's a new wallpaper gallery. I wonder if that will come with a cost or you'll just be able to use whatever wallpaper is in your is in your phone or maybe it'll just be a feature that they add. You can create multiple lock screens so you could have a work focused one or you could have a home focused one or and that would work in parallel with the focus modes, which I thought was very, very cool. That's a useful expansion to that. Um, Widget Kit was something I noticed for devs, so they're obviously going to be able to embed widgets on the screen. The one thing that was screaming to me all the way through this was that if this rumor of the next iPhone having an always-on lock screen, of course, then this is what they need to put into place to have these working in the background anyway. So they're obviously already thinking ahead to what comes next.
0: Yeah, so a couple of bits there. One, App Store Revenue or services revenue could be the, the wallpaper gallery. As soon as they showed you could have multiple home screens saved it's like, Oh, that's going to link to focus modes, which I think is quite a cool step actually. And I do use focus modes so that my homes, my first home screen is very work oriented between eight and six. And then it goes to a family in essence, home screen. So I'm quite, I think that'd be quite nice to, you know, switch the whole phone into, into work mode. Oh, apologies, I forgot my, Oh yeah. That's what we're talking about. Always on screens. So, What I was thinking here with the always-on-screen, though, is I thought there might have done something different with notifications because if you've got an always-on-screen, will you see your notifications or will you just see your widgets? The way it's looking at the moment is it would just be widget-orientated and it wouldn't be notifications popping the whole time. I don't know.
1: Well, the way they do it on Android is that your missed notifications just appear as a counter unless you've got an email notification or something like that where you get a number next to the email. So maybe they'll do something like that. And just to expand on what you said about the notifications a minute ago, they roll in from the bottom, not the top now. So the, the idea is they don't distract your focus and continually sort of scroll down your screen. They introduced one interesting thing where you have a live activity feed. So if you're following a, a sports team, was the example they gave, you're following Man City or whoever it is to go, then instead of getting a continuous stream of updates about this has happened or that's happened, the rest bonus whistle a goal was scored, you can just push live updates directly to that sort of widget almost as a notification. I thought that's quite interesting. There's there's quite a lot of potential for that for developers to sort of expand it to do more live. You could imagine if you're on a server farm or something like that and you're worried about your uptime or you're worrying about your air conditioning or something like that, you could have that sort of continuous notification streamed to your phone. I think there's a lot of potential there.
0: Yeah, no, it did look good. And I guess, yeah, if you're watching baseball or sports or whatever it may be, and that was example used uh, with the grouping of notifications. shows they did show between the torch and the camera like uh you've got 10 notifications so maybe, maybe that's what you'd get if on the always on screen if if they do that
1: yeah it'll be interesting anyway i think it's just the lock screen. It was a great place to start. There's lots of things in there. I thought, yeah, that's a nice enhancement. it lets me customise the phone a bit more. I can hopefully customise the notifications that they come in a little more cleverly than they've allowed up till now. And they did a little bit of work on that last time. So no, solid update. I think very interesting. Uh, cool. Agreed. Cool. Yep. Notifications was next with Focus, which we've already talked about. we sort of bled into that anyway. This is a feature, a new Focus filters, as we touched on. You could have a different lock screen depending on what focus mode you're in or possibly vice versa um for example they showed when you're in the work focus mode only work websites would show in safari as part of the focus i i don't know anything about that i don't use the, sort of some of the, those features have you got any experience of how that might work
0: so i do use tab groups a little bit but i often i up just going back to the the regular tab group if i'm honest and i because i try and have a work one and then you know a personal one and i set one for this podcast so i could store links throughout the week between recordings and then i just go there and grab those links maybe we should try it. maybe we should share the podcast tabs group and, and and see if it works for us but um and i i thought it looked, looked good i thought it was a clever idea and for me a person uses his personal device for both work and play um which i do and don't like in that sometimes when i sit down at night and we'll do a bit of work and i'm all right with that but then sometimes while i'm at work i'll do a bit of personal stuff. So. It depends how much self-control you've got, I think they providing the tools to do the self-control.
1: Yeah, those lines are blurry. I quite like the idea of trying out some of these features as we maybe go through the beta cycle, because there's, there's things to come, collaborative features to come, that nobody I work with makes use of phones or iPads or Macs in the way that Apple described them on the screen. And I think I had some of these features appeared appeared pre-pandemic. Apple might be owning this space now. It wouldn't be Zoom and Teams we were using. We might be using FaceTime and share various share features that are built in to work quite closely. The collaborative stuff, whiteboards that we'll maybe get to later, are excellent features. But it's all about too little too late. And we're now all sort of embedded with the way that we work. But yeah, it'd be interesting to try it. No,
0: I agree. And look, we're all teams at work. So a lot of the collaboration features would be good for you and I doing a podcast, but we don't collaborate all day, every day. We're doing it intermittently generally for an hour or two a week. So I think they've got some good stuff in there. But you're right, if they'd have done this last year's release, the previous year, and then this year's release, they may maybe in a different place. But sadly, I think they're just a little
1: bit too late. Yep, a little bit too late. So yeah, it's worth a try, but I don't think we'll spend too much time on that. Uh, messages was next.
0: Awesome. I wrote down the messages features, so I can edit, I can undo a send, and I can mark stuff as unread. It wasn't quite the social features that somebody had mentioned we were getting, but I'm quite happy they haven't done too much with it because I kind of like how it is. Yeah, and I was, think I do like the unre- unread one though. That's probably the one I'm, I'm looking forward to the
1: most. Yeah, I, I think all three of these are overdue, frankly. If you use Teams or Zoom or Slack or any of the work-focused things or WhatsApp or Telegram or Signal, you can edit and you can delete messages that have been sent by mistake. Everybody sent you know, a whole message to work or vice versa by mistake because you've remained in that chat. The ability to delete them all is, is fairly essential. We all make spelling mistakes, increasingly so with new iPhone keyboards, I find. So the ability to edit them as you go is, is fantastic. And Mark is unread. My children set an awful lot of store in leaving people unread. There's a huge social capital involved with Not reading somebody's messages straight away, so I can see with it. So I'd say this is a bare minimum to stay in touch with other media. Sorry, other messaging features probably hasn't gone far enough in some ways. You know, I'd like to see its implementation on the Mac versus the phone versus the iPad, because those things always haven't been in lockstep. And there's still features now on the Mac version of Messages that aren't there on the um, iPhone, the iPad versions. So there's there's a bit of, of of room still to grow here.
0: See, I only want the markers unread just so I remember to go back to somebody if I if I need a minute. I've got no idea about this whole social status thing.
1: It's a big deal. I've left them unread, I'm t- I'm told, you know, just because just their friends have sent something and they want to show how annoyed they are with them. Left you unread is a big deal. This is
0: a whole world I know nothing about. <laughs> uh,
1: then the other f- thing they talked about was that some of the new share features, so for example, they, they talked about this last year, they released it. You can watch films together, you can listen to music together. In this keynote as well, they talked about playing games together and now there'll be an API so you can build this share, whatever application it is, with your friends and do things collaboratively, being able to be in sync with them as you go forward. So I think that's solid. I have still never yeah, used...
0: They seem to be bringing, closing a lot of loops, don't they? And trying to, maybe they're trying to get a bit more engagement with it by putting it in more places. That's what it seemed to me like. They're going to get share playing messages. They're going to do more we shared for you links. So that it just felt like they're trying to just pull it... A lot of the stuff they did last year, they're just trying to put it together and gain adoption. Sorry, I cut you off there.
1: No, that's fine. I was just going to say, I've never used SharePlay for anything. Have you?
0: No, the only thing I might use is just FaceTime to share a screen with a relative, more for tech support, if I'm honest.
1: But that was a feature that was in Messages anyway. I did it with my dad two weeks ago. You know, he, he wanted some help with the website, getting his, his car he had a new card. He wanted to get it set up with a mobile phone provider. I messaged him, I requested to share his screen, he gave me permission and we were off and running. And that was great. But I'm pretty sure it did that before SharePlay. So I don't think that's...
0: I think it did, but not on iOS. It used to be in iChat, if I remember correctly, when you and I were much younger. (laughs) um, It's now in iOS, which for me is important, but I try and avoid IT support where I
1: can. (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, it's there. I'm glad they've got an API for it. We'll see how much it gets used. Like I say, I've never had any experience of it. Maybe we'll have to watch something together, Chris, just to, you know, an episode of For All Mankind series at season three or something, just to have tried it out.
0: We could do the premiere.
1: We could do the premiere. That's not a bad idea. Good. Okay, moving along. The next feature was dictation improvements.
0: I kind of like what they've done here. What they've done is they've kept the dictation button, but just made it so it doesn't gray out the keyboard, which is quite clever. Actually, they've just taken something and iterated on it. Maybe it's taken a long time to get there, but it can't kind of look neat.
1: Yeah, I, I I got to say I like this. The, the, the stat you threw at the start was, was quite startling, really. You used 18 billion times each month. That's incredible.
0: They've got some good numbers, haven't
1: they? They have got some good numbers. I mean, you think you're doing well with your website. It's a couple hundred, a couple of thousand people on it. But 18 billion times each month for, for users is, is incredible. And hand on heart, I think the dictation feature, when I remember to use it, be it on the Mac or be it on my phone, is actually pretty solid. Siri is bad, but the dictation feature actually works quite well.
0: Yeah. Do you know what? I find I don't really use it because I often just sat with my keyboard in my iPad and I text a lot from my iPad because I have that whole syncing thing turned on. So I don't use dictation enough, but maybe actually where I'm working in my shed on my own, actually it'd be ripe for dictation. I've got this nice microphone. You know, I could could probably dictate more, more than I do.
1: Well, it, I got to say, I tried, I was reviewing papers rather than writing papers, particularly because my head wasn't in the right space. And It does work extremely well when you just want to get something short and snappy down. If your thoughts are organised before you start doing it, and a lot of people think as they type, so it sort of requires sort of a mode shift for the way that you do things. But it works extremely smoothly. I was really impressed. The one negative I found about it is I quite like listening to soundtracks while I'm working. And you can't listen to music and dictate particularly at the same time. So that's, that was sort of a, a thing that stopped me using it as much Thing, But it's a really well-done feature. And this improvement, which lets you, as you say, see the keyboard and the words appear as you write them, and then stop and then edit that text with your voice as well in place, is a really solid improvement.
0: I thought I it great. And what you've just said about listening to music, I'm the same. It's why I don't really do any texting from the car using CarPlay, where you speak and it sends a message, A, it often gets it wrong, and B... I don't want to interrupt my podcast or my music, whereas my wife will text me all the time while she's driving via car places so she's talking to. It, and it says sent by Siri. So I know she's talking to it. But for her, it works really well, whereas I probably don't announce it in my words clearly enough. And I just want to listen to my music. So, um, yeah, I, I don't use a lot of the auditory stuff that I could.
1: But it's, it's a solid update, or it looks like a solid update. Another couple of little features within it, live text, which I've tried in a, in a few ways, both in a work scenario, sort of can it translate this text from this letter into, into something, only in on the mouse letters, of course. Works extremely well.
0: When, when I got my new car, I had to write down the VIN number to register with BMW's app. So I just took a photo of the VIN number on the side of the car, copied and pasted, and I was like, that feature is amazing. The way they've done live text, hands down, those engineers... They deserve a medal.
1: I 100% agree. I tried to get a serial number off the bottom of one of the um, Thunderbolt docs we were talking about last week, actually, because I was just curious if there was firmware updates for it. It's written in the smallest text you've ever seen. And even though I require glasses these days, it's really hard to read it. took a picture of my phone, zoomed in a bit, copied the text off. It works like a dream. So any improvements to that and what the example they gave was, actually, you could pause a video or maybe not even pause the video and be able to pull code samples out, for example, uh, for in, in the uh, tutorial app that was running. Amazing. Improvements to that are welcome. I think it's a really well-done bit of software.
0: Yeah, when they announced they've done more with live text, I was like, well, what else can you do? And then when they said video, I was like, oh, yeah, fair play. But actually what they're doing is f- freezing the frame, and then and then, you, and then it's just a photo, is it not?
1: But it is, it's but cool. it's, it's, it's still cool. cool yeah yeah and they showed a little example of it can converting currency in the app so it shows it on the screen it's in one one pound 42 and immediately converts it to dollars if they want to do very cool
0: yeah and the same with all the translate stuff as well so they've nailed it it's, it's really good technology and fair play they've baked it into everything across the board
1: they have their next update was to wallet this may not be entirely relevant in the uk particularly but there's some states in america where you can have your id baked into your apple wallet so you double tap your phone you don't just get your credit card or your debit card you actually get your ID up as well. I know we have the NHS app available, for example, in the UK as a wallet item, so you can show your vaccination status, but subsex in America and you can use it as your ID.
0: I just want that in the UK. Can I stick my driving license in it, please? Because I don't take my wallet with me anywhere I leave it at home, and I wouldn't mind to have some ID on me from time to time. So I think it's great. It's clearly a matter of time before it, it was over here. And then they had a bunch of Apple Pay stuff, didn't they, as well, which... I just don't know whether we get any of that, and it seems like they've got Apple Pay later, which is just built in financing for the uh, services revenue. But I quite like that. Occasionally I've done that on Amazon, where you could buy something, say, for £500, and it takes five installments over but it's over five months which is quite good for me because that means it spreads out over five paychecks whereas apple's ones over six weeks which felt a bit short for me for their financing because usually you want to spread it over your paychecks so it's not not a big hit but i don't look, look quite good and if it's built in it's great but and it's interest-free which is in my view a great thing if they can do it what did you think
1: Yeah, uh, the Apple Pay stuff, or or Apple Tap to Pay on on phone appeared as part of this as well. So if you did want to, you know, to take payment from somebody in a market, we've talked about that repeatedly, it's finally there. They showed a bunch of providers on the slide. You skipped over one thing I did think was quite interesting, and that was the share keys with people. So a number of hotels and things like that now can do your room key on your phone, or if you're an Airbnb person, you've got smart locks, you can now share that functionality uh, directly. into Apple Wallet, I thought that was quite cool.
0: I think they mixed the message in a little bit there, because you can already share a key with somebody. <coughs> I it with my car key, but they've made it so that when you share a key, you can now do it over WhatsApp or email as well as iMessage, which makes sense. But I think what they're trying to do is really get this open standard. Because I don't know about you, and I don't send a lot of hotels, I'm definitely not staying any posh ones, but the whole key thing just hasn't panned out, has it? It's it's just not that prevalent. I think they're really wanting to try to get that adoption. And again, no brainer. How often have you had a key and then it's caught on something and you get to your room and it doesn't unlock your room? You've got to go back down to the desk. I had that quite recently. So I think that there's two things that made it better to share with non i you know, with non-iMessage people, and two they're trying to open up the standard was what I read into it sometimes it's quite hard to pick up the exact intent in such a quick video but it looks good I'd love to go to a hotel and not pick up anything I just want my phone to do everything please or my watch
1: well I agree as you and I both now have our car keys there you know I've got uh, my my payment cards there I've got my some of my loyalty cards there when I go and do my shop in Sainsbury's now I scan my nectar card and I go around I don't almost don't need to carry anything extraneous to my phone But I had exactly the same experience to you. I went uh, to a conference in Harrogate two weeks ago. checked into the travel lodge. They gave me the the, the RFID card to press against the lock. Worked the first time. Came back after a few drinks in the evening. Didn't work again. Don't know if it had been too close to my phone. Don't know what had been going on. It's always after a few drinks in the evening, I find, as well. Yeah, it seems very unfair. I don't know if my alcohol content intake is related to how well my cards work. But uh, I agree with you. I can still work the card. I can press it against the lock. So it's just not working.
0: So frustrating, though, isn't it? So
1: frustrating. I agree with you. Come on, hotels around the world, get on with it and give us keys to our Android phones and our iOS phones, for sure. So that was some fairly minor improvements, I guess, in some senses, to Wallet, but it's there, and it's good to see they're pushing ahead with it. Next update uh, the was other to... Thing,
0: no, the other thing they announced on Wallet was tracking your orders or something, which just seemed a bit, bit bizarre to me.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that's related to using Apple Pay cards to buy things, and it goes again. I, I don't know how that works, but... Uh, I think most of us track our parcels in another way, don't they?
0: Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was, I don't know. I didn't really understand what that was going to do for me.
1: Now I'm thinking about it. Didn't Apple just kill the deliveries app that was really popular where it would track all your DPD and all your DHL deliveries and all that kind of stuff? I think they killed that fairly recently for whatever reason or the developer stopped supporting it. So I wonder if it's related to that.
0: Could well be. I don't know if I'm honest. Um, Not really a big issue for me. I just let stuff turn up at my door. Yeah, fair enough.
1: So next update was to Maps
0: maps yeah what did i have for maps so oh yeah so it's coming to more countries with their super maps they're doing a few more 3d cities which do look cool and i did see london was on the list and they're gonna have some server-side apis but did you get what they meant by these server-side apis i didn't really
1: not a clue i guess i don't know maybe it makes for quicker drawing of maps or, or something they, they they kind of glossed over that a little bit to me i mean the only thing that jumped out of that to me was a i don't think apple maps is as bad as people think it is anymore there was an xkcd cartoon recently saying oh my apple maps is almost usable now which it is you know i have used it fairly frequently and finally i multi-stop routing for car trips so if you ha- want to make three stops in your journey that's quite a big deal i guess
0: i actually use apple maps all the time is that, is that like a guilty guilty secret confession because it works in my car with my heads-up display and all of that so i've actually used apple maps quite a bit and also i don't drive a huge amount
1: yeah but google <laughs> google maps going to i know Google Maps does work in uh, CarPlay as well. It works
0: in CarPlay, but I don't know if it works on all the screens through CarPlay. I should probably try that out. That could be homework for another day.
1: And Waze, I'm pretty sure, also works on CarPlay. Waze
0: does work in CarPlay. I have used that and it's very good. Again, hats off for quality engineering. Whoever came up with Waze has done a stunning job.
1: Yeah, Waze is very good and uses the Google Maps backend. So I think if Waze works, the chances are Google Maps will too. Anyway, the other the other thing was transit cards into wallet. So I guess that's if you've got an Oyster card in in, in London or your MTA or whatever it is in in San Francisco or New York would also work with your Apple Map with, with your wallet directly in the map as opposed to having to jump into the wallet screen. You should be able to make payment. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's quite neat. Yeah, it's one less screen, isn't it? And, you know, a solid update, kind of thing you'd expect to see, better integration. Uh, and they added look around. So when you come out of the tube station, you're trying to work out which direction to walk in, that should now be better integrated as you come out of that tube station. A thing Google did, I think, three years ago in, in Google Maps. Okay, cool. Yep. So that was Maps. Don't know, I don't know much about Google Maps. <laughs> I like to keep my eye on the competition to see what's going on. So there was then... For me, a fairly pointless update to sports.
0: I kind of agree largely pointless. I do use Apple News guiltily quite a bit, if I'm honest, to just just see what's happening in the world outside of my Twitter feed, which is my normal news. I do follow a little bit of sport, largely just with my kids. So I don't know. I I thought it looked right.
1: It's not exciting, it's not world-changing, so you know you get updated if you follow the NBA and you've got a particular team, you've got better updates within the news app for that. You can add some of it to the lock screen, which is fair enough. If they're going to give you the, that new functionality in the lock screen to do this kind of stuff, it should be there. And that was about it, really.
0: Moving yeah, on. That was, that was about it, I think that's fair. Done.
1: Yeah. Moving on. Improvements to family sharing.
0: I wrote down the word quick start. Now, what was that in relation to before we got to family show? Oh, I know what that was in relation to. So improvements, to, it was, sorry, I should have written family sharing as a title. Apologies. So when you get a new device for your children, you can hold your iPhone next to it and go, here's a new device. And it goes, which child are you setting this up for? Would you like to add a new child or do you want to assign it to one of your existing children and it will add it all to the family, which I thought was quite neat. Having been through this a couple of years ago. So it looked like a great improvement.
1: I find that quite amusing. Uh, do you want to add a new child? You know, Here they are, fully formed, and they need an iPhone.
0: They've <laughs> just been born, and I've got their iPhone because you now need it when you're zero.
1: Baby's first iPhone. That's exactly what you need. Get them up and running with those improved parental controls that they also announced as part of this. No, I, I agree with you. The, the utility of that quick start is, is useful. New phone in the same way that they've improved new iPhone setup year on year. I think when you've got multiple members in a family and you do need to bring them on and you want to say limit their screen time or limit the apps they have access to or the movies they're rated to see and all the rest of it there were lots of improvements to how you manage the various members of your family a bit more carefully with these kinds of controls so very solid the quick setup thing the quick start thing was very good for it quite impressed with that
0: yeah no I, i thought it looked great and like and i know friends of mine who have had ipads for their children and they've just logged into the iPad as them. And I was like, no, 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 you don't want to be doing that because they're gonna end up seeing your messages or whatever it may be that you're doing. So I think it's great and hopefully we'll help others. You use it to, you know, to give their child their own dedicated device. So no, I thought it was really good. That's yeah. some really good stuff in this family section.
1: Yeah, I agree. And the next part is related as well. Before we move to that, I thought the family checklisting was quite uh, was quite a clever idea that it sort of pointing out to you that your children are getting older and now you can give them increased access to the films that they see or the music they listen to, and just that's a nice little feature that it's thoughtful. You know, I'm glad it's built in for people that need that sort of control. You know, that overview of the children and what they might be getting up to, as you say, looking at their messages or whatever. Just making it always easier to make use of the family sharing thing. And you know, as as we've talked about in this podcast before now, I'm not sure everybody's aware of the family sharing thing. So this is just another way maybe to get it in front of people's eyes and make the music
0: it. Yeah, it's a good idea. And- Hopefully, I guess for Apple, it entice people into the next tier if they're going to share it with more people. So again, it might might help to drive drive that services revenue. But yep. what was the best feature that came up in this section?
1: Are we talking about iCloud shared photo library?
0: This looks awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think this is a feature long waited for. So the ability to share a photo library with your family in a, a, a clever way. So it can be everything that you take. You can create this shared photo library, whereas before you used to have to, you know, somehow glom all your iPhoto libraries together. Now it creates this particular library for your family where you can apply either intelligence to it, you can apply everything to it, or you can manually select what pictures want you want to be shared as part of this. So you go into your Photos app and you can see your iCloud Shared photo library.
0: Yeah, I must confess, my wife and I have got two, two young kids. Been through probably similar to yourself. You take lots of photos when they're really young. You take a bit less as they get older and older and older. But we've never had a really good way of sharing photos. Often we go out for the week or something on holiday, we come back, and my wife's like, oh, can I have some of those photos? And I just give her my phone and say, "Let's just airdrop whatever you want to your, your phone, his mine. There's nothing she can't see on my phone. But it's just not a great way, is it, of, of sharing stuff whilst you've been together. So I'm quite happy to see this. I think they've done it in the right way that I can just grab a bunch of photos and stick them in there. Because what my wife doesn't want to see is when I take a photo of a whiteboard at work or a car I like, or a book I want to buy. And I just take a photo because I saw it in the window of, of a shop kind of thing. So I, it looks great on the face of it. I'm really excited to see actually what it's like in reality.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. I think there's... The, the, the management of what photographs appear where is obviously really important for lots of reasons. Like you say, you know, that particular scenario where the whiteboards are quite common, you know, we're planning something and I want to get it on the screen. My family doesn't want to see that. They don't want to see another, speaking of visiting hotels, because I used to visit a lot of hotels, I'd quite often take a picture of the room number I was in. So to remember what one I was in and what floor I was in when I got back, which is, you again, I'm getting older. Maybe it's a feature of my memory more than anything else, but my family don't need to see that in their photo libraries. So, I think that granularity of what gets shared, when, and to whom is really important for lots of reasons. Yeah, a solid thing. I quite like the feature of it noticed if you were near a family member and would offer to share. I think that's quite clever when you're sort of taking group photographs on holiday and things.
0: It's done something like that before, I think, though, where it's gone, do you want to share these photos with your wife kind of thing? I think maybe maybe they're just leaning into a bit more of that.
1: Yeah, but good feature. I think John Syracuse from the ATP podcast will be delighted by this. It's been a long time coming and it's a good solid update.
0: Yeah, no, no, it looks fantastic. And you're right, he has been requesting some like this for a long time. So I do wonder, though, I'm going to say services revenue again. I wonder how the shared photo album works. Does it duplicate the photos or does it move them or does it triplicate them in that they're in your library, they're in the shared one, they're in your, in your partner's one? I, I'm curious on a little bit of that.
1: I would hope, given APFS and its ability to deduplicate things. That whatever server this is stored on is using something like APFS and just doing symbolic links or whatever the equivalent is to the photograph. So it is just one photograph that goes everywhere. I guess you'd find out, no, they said in the in the keynote, actually, if somebody makes edits to it, it's applied entirely throughout the family photo. So I suspect it's probably something like that. One photo with, with views of that photo made available to other.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they're doing, what you've just mentioned, because to be fair to the the guys and girls that made the photo stuff, the way they do non-destructive edits and the syncing. It's amazing. The, The technology they do, hands down, fantastic.
1: Yep. Good, solid feature. Good update. The next feature was privacy, which they leaned on particularly using the example of people that were uh, suddenly in abusive relationships, need to get out of the house, need to cut all ties with our particular, the location sharing and where they might be in the world. And this was just a feature where you could tap one button on your phone and everybody you'd shared your location with was just cut off from that entirely. And everything just remained on your device as you left. I think that's a really healthy thing for a company that has had issues around things like air tags and tracking and all the rest of it to, to, to demonstrate. Again, I think a very, necessary and important update
0: was it air tags tracking related do you think do you think that's why they've done it
1: I suspect it's a bigger problem than that. You know, if you have got family sharing turned on for location, you can see where people are all the time. AirTags could be a feature of that as well. There's an awful lot of things with, for example, you know, your Mac can have tracking turned on for your laptop, as can your iPad. So there are so many devices that a potentially abusive partner, you know, could track you with and roughly find out where you've gone, oh, you've gone to your friend's house or you've gone to your relatives or whatever. They are able to track that on the devices. So just killing all that location sharing right across the board with the tap of a butt, I think it's a very healthy thing.
0: I completely agree. It's a world I know very little about, but completely agree. Anything you can do to improve some security and privacy, tick, done. Yep,
1: yeah. yeah. good, solid update, big tick. The next update for iOS was in the Home app, which is a bit tenuous because it's not necessarily home. Some of the things we've talked... They started off by talking about Matter, which I know you've brought up a couple of times.
0: Yeah, so... I'm quite excited by this because HomeKit has been a bit mixed in my house. As they were describing some of this, I was wondering, am I going to have to upgrade all my devices to, get, to take advantage of this? So is it actually not going to be of any benefit in our house until the autumn? But what, Home, what they've done on the Home app is they've integrated Matter into it. So Matter is where basically Google, Apple, Microsoft have all come together and agree a standard for everybody. And it sounds like the way Apple positioned it was it's based upon HomeKit. HomeKit was the best starting place. They took that as a starting place and they built it into Matter. So I'm curious to see how this is going to pan out. Am I going to need to buy a bunch of new matter supported kit you know devices you know at the moment when i go onto amazon and i buy something for the house i typically go and just search for that word home kit and you know plug socket for example and i've been buying a certain brand because they've worked reasonably well for me so i'm curious to know how that's all going to play out will my legacy stuff still work and then and then on the on the back of that they've then redesigned the home app which was in dire need of something happening to it because it just didn't really work and they did even make reference in the presentation to the new app works, whether you've got a couple of devices or your whole house is, is wired, wired up for automation, basically. So I, I thought it was a good update. Uh, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I use the home app a fair bit. I've got smart lighting. I've got a smart garage door. I've got uh, video cameras, which aren't HomeKit, but I've made them HomeKit compatible through um, an app on my Raspberry Pi. So, yeah, I'm quite excited to see them improve HomeKit because it is all over the place. You know, your, the most favorite lights, for example, don't always show on the on the, uh, the the dashboard widget for them. You've got to go into the app, you've got to find them, or occasionally I just give up and I have to go into the manufacturer's app to go and do something. So hopefully this will bring all those things together. And I quite like the quick changes of focus, all my cameras, all my lights, you know, all my smart home appliances as, as buttons along the top where you could just quickly focus in on what you wanted to do rather than the sort of room paradigm you had to swipe through before to find exactly what it was you were looking for. So I'm hopeful that it's a good update i mean everything they show in the keynote doesn't necessarily ship with the very first version of the os beta that we're about to get our hands on so maybe we won't get this instantly maybe this will be down the line a little bit in a couple of a couple of versions time but uh, yeah i thought it was quite interesting it's quite exciting to get it and it's a, not before time they've done something about the home app.
0: oh i'm just opening the home app and they have shipped the new version
1: it's already on your ipad is it chris
0: might be why I was a little distracted.
1: <laughs> and there you go. I think we had a discussion a couple of weeks back about how quickly some of this, these betas would end up in our software. And Chris has beaten me to the iPad. Some of these features, when we get to the iPad stuff, you need an M1 iPad to do. Some of us with older iPads, it's taking a little bit longer for the install to happen. But uh, there we go.
0: I just know what I'm like. If I don't install it, I just end up reading loads and loads about it. And then I end up just installing it in a day's time or something. So I might as well just get on with it now, see if anything breaks.
1: This was spoilers. I was going to save this to the end for us to discuss about how many apps have we already got on, but there we go. It's already on Chris's iPad. Good. Moving along, I think I'll let you do this entire section yourself. There was updates to CarPlay.
0: So I just wrote down the word CarPlay, and I wrote down it awesome. Um, so I am interested to see what they're going to do with CarPlay, because I just want better support for what CarPlay does today. And it looks like they've done that potentially, but it sounds like it's coming later this year or next year. But the big, big bit, they really talked about CarPlay. wasn't how we use it today, just on one kind of center screen. It's how it can take over your whole car. So you could do aircon with it. You could do the radio. You could do dashboard dials, heated seats, you know, and really have it replace your car's entertainment system. Now, I was really disappointed not to see the BMW logo in there because historically BMW have kind of been ahead with Apple's CarPlay implementation because they do the shared key, they do the watch key, they do the having it on your heads-up display and on the, 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 what do you call it, the, the dials dash, the instrument cluster for the maps. So I was surprised BMW weren't on there because they have seem to have always been partnered. Maybe BMW do not like it because this new version takes over the whole car. And I barely use BMW stuff as it is. But like, what I did like, though, is where they had it doing like the heated seats. On my screen, I've got a bar at the bottom for BMW to do the heated seats to drive and jump into the menu. That's taken up quite a bit of the screen the whole time. So well, actually I wouldn't need any of that. You could just do it all through CarPlay and I'd be, I'd be quite happy with it. So I think the stuff they've done looks great. Some of the customizations, again, a bit like the home screen we talked about on the iPhone, you can customize how your dials look within certain constraints, but they'd look quite neat. And so I, I think it looks really good and it's great to see Apple doing it. Maybe maybe this is the outcome of their car project <laughs> they haven't quite managed to build a car, but they, <laughs> they know how you should have your have your dials and your heated seat buttons arranged. What was your take?
1: Yeah, I, I quite like all that stuff. My thoughts watching it is this is a direct competitor to Google's Android Auto project. So, for example, I know Polestar's and some of the newer Volvos run on Android. They don't have Volvo's operating system underlying it all anymore. It's all based on Android Auto.
0: But is it a competitor to Android Auto or is it similar in one way, but my understanding is it comes on the phone or do you think this now comes in the car?
1: I think there's got to be a little column A, a little column B, frankly. it's okay. yeah, Sure, it's built on the phone because it's CarPlay. You've got to plug it. But, uh, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Do you have to plug this in to get that sort of real-time response? Will there be enough bandwidth over you know, Bluetooth to your phone to be able to support all this real-time stuff? A rev counter is a pretty sensitive thing. So would you want lag between your rev counter and your phone while the Bluetooth gets sorted out? I'd
0: be right with the rev counter. It's more the speedometer when you're going through, through you know, um, a speed camera. Am I actually doing 50 or am I doing 53? So um, I think I'd be more worried about that myself.
1: Yeah, so so there's that kind of thought, isn't there? Obviously, the automakers need to support what's getting pushed to the phone uh, and vice versa. They need a certain amount of knowledge of that. They need to know how many screens they're displaying it to. They need to know the heads-up display. So I, I'm not surprised this has got to be pretty deeply embedded with the, with whatever car manufacturers are on there. And it's quite a leap for them, isn't it? You know, they've spent... In many cases, decades perfecting various interfaces. I use perfecting because the word "land" words Land Rover were on that screen as being supported as well. And having owned a few Land Rovers, there's very little perfected in Land Rovers. It tends to be a bit rough and ready if it works at all. So. It,
0: it, the, Land Rovers are very fancy these days though.
1: They are very fancy these days but I still think they're amongst the most unreliable cars in Britain if you look at you know all the various reliability surveys and things. Or maybe I'm casting shade unnecessarily A Land Rover. They're an awful lot of money but I have my doubts based on the history of the company in the past but it's interesting, CarPlay. I think the solid CarPlay features they're updating are great. These are the ones I've got questions about. And the fact that BMW aren't on there is, as you say, they've supported them historically before. And thinking to previous WWDC keynotes where they've done car stuff, there's always been BMW on that screen. Maybe the whole charging for CarPlay thing is a, is a feature. Does half your car stop working if you don't pay for the CarPlay update? I don't you know. I don't know. They didn't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. Well, there we go. Maybe Apple have got a bad feeling about it. Or like you say, maybe BMW just aren't in a place to do it yet.
0: I wonder whether BMW don't want it because you're taking over the whole car. Whereas with me right now, I still use a little bit of their interface, but would happily just go full CarPlay. So I don't know, maybe it's something to be worked out in the future. So
1: Well, Tesla, knows, were not on there either. So it is what it is. That is a surprise to <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Absolutely nobody. And you can't have it till next year anyway. So even when the phone, when the iOS comes out in, as its final version, it's not a thing. So maybe they'll be on there by the end.
0: The one bit I wanted them to say was, and even if you don't have all this new fancy stuff where it takes over your whole car, we will now support widescreens. Because that, that's the bit, like when the icon zooms in, it just looks quite, you know, when the icon opens up to be mapped, say, it just looks quite distorted. So I'm hoping they fix some of that. So we'll, we'll find out.
1: There was a line about it being more aware of screen sizes and orientations, wasn't there? They, they, they did show it in sort of a portrait and a landscape orientation and, and fitting on a screen better. So I suspect no matter what, that will be better for the car you plug it into.
0: I hope so. So I'm going to give it a go.
1: Yeah, good. Excellent. Interesting update. Lots of things within it. Spatial audio was next. Apparently, there'll be personalized spatial audio with some sort of use of the true depth camera. What does that mean?
0: I didn't even write spatial audio in my notes. <laughs> I like spatial audio. I do. I'm not, I'm not a hater. I do like it. But I think this is just so it can do more accurate tracking, I guess, is, is my understanding. I don't know.
1: What's it got to do with the true depth camera? So spatial audio is, we've talked about it before, if your iPad's in front of you on the desk and you turn your head as it's playing, you get the left ear as you turn your head to the right and vice versa. So it sort of balances the And eventually it centers up if you keep looking in that direction for a while. I don't know what a camera's got to do with that.
0: I don't know what to say. No, I don't know either. I'm sorry. I don't
1: know. Fine, fine, good. That's homework. Yeah, moving swiftly along. That was it for iOS, actually. And next up was WatchOS. Do you know what, though? I think... That's some good, good stuff in iOS. There's some great stuff in iOS. I think that's a, that's a good year. It's a solid update year.
0: Which I'm thinking my iPad would largely get for free anyway, because it's still built on the same foundation. So no, I think it was a solid update. Anyway, no, right, over to WatchOS.
1: Yeah, so WatchOS, their f- kickoff thing was there's four new watch faces.
0: I think there's two things in this message. There's four new watch faces, but also we've gone back to some of our older watch faces and made them work with the newer functionality that we brought out when we brought out the series four with the new bigger screens, they've gone back from the way they worded it and fixed the original faces that were for the smaller screens. So it sounds like they've actually maybe just tidied up the library of faces for some consistency.
1: Yeah. So the four new watch faces are Astronomy, which shows clouds and things, it seemed to me. Lunar, which gives you particular holidays around the world. Playtime, which is one of the worst looking things I've ever seen in my life with animated time. Uh, just it was It's worse than the Mickey Mouse watch face back in the day. Agreed. Dreadful and Metropolitan, which just looked like a well-structured, if you're into your watches, you know, proper mechanical watches, it looked like a good attempt to do one of them. The the features were richer complications and the banner notifications and active apps were pinned to the top of your app list. So actually that's a really useful one. So I use the Workout app a lot on my watch uh, and I've always got to scroll and look for it, even though it's the only app I really launch into at any point whatever else notifications have had as the day has gone on, always push it further down the list. So being able to append an active app to the top of that list, fantastic. That's the most important update as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I'm quite looking forward to some of the watch OS stuff because I nearly bought a Series 7 watch and I've held off. I'm going to wait and see what comes out in the Series 8. So um, I'm quite looking forward to it. I wear my watch all day, every day. I use it a huge amount tracking workouts. I'm trying to up, up my general fitness. So um, I think, again, it looked good. It looked like a good update to me.
1: Yep, I agree. The workout app itself has got a few new things, particularly for runners, it seemed. They've got new metrics for running, which I thought was interesting. It's apparently very difficult to do a lot of this stuff with just a device strapped to your wrist. So they said they have three new running form metrics to track how you run. These were, I made a note as he was talking, vertical oscillation, stride length, and ground contact time. Are these things you've been looking for as part of your workout?
0: I'm a very casual runner. I do like running. But for me, all I really care about is how fast am I going? and how how long have I been running and for how far. So they're kind of the three metrics really is, you know, how many kilometres, how long does it take me to run one kilometre? Am I doing eight minutes kilometre or seven minutes? How many kilometres have I done and how long have I been going for? The rest of it I've no idea, but as you can probably tell, I'm not a professional runner.
1: I only use it for walking and when I'm going some, I do 10 minutes, 11 seconds per kilometre, which I think is all right when I'm walking. So maybe some of these things will apply to me as a walker, I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I
1: just want to know that I'm getting my app. Yeah, it's hu- hu- a day it feels like a humble brag. I should move on quif- swiftly. they' are well, did... actually
0: talking about fitness, though. The interesting thing is, and this came up on ATP, is that you need to have an Apple Watch to get the fitness app. And they're now making it so you can get the fitness app without the Apple Watch, which I think is, I assumed it worked like that anyway. So I think that's a no-brainer.
1: No, I, I agree. It is a no-brainer. They should have the fitness app. I wonder, though, does it mean that, quite often if i forget to put my watch on but i've got my phone on me the two things don't speak to each other so you don't get your steps counted that you've taken with your phone when you put your watch back on so i hope that actually syncs up a little bit better now they've brought the app that seems stupid it's extremely stupid extremely stupid there is one new workout watch as well that's a triathlon app so it monitors your transitions from swim to walk uh, swim to run to cycle I guess if you're into triathlons, that's a really important thing. Well done. Great. It seems like a solid update. The fitness app coming at the the, the phone without a watch. I think that's a great thing, as we've said. And some updates to sleep was the next thing.
0: You're not a big triathlon person.
1: Well, my brother-in-law uh, does Ironmans and things like that. He's a huge triathlon person, but... People that do triathlons, in my experience, don't use Apple Watches. They use specialist Garmin things to do their intervals and all the rest of it. So maybe they're trying to break into that market. Maybe it's a fitness market they don't have. But I think they've got a, sort of, they've got a mountain to climb on that. Maybe that's a different kind of workout they need to do too.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe, well, maybe that's where there is there's talk of a, a rugged watch. Maybe they're getting software ready now and then launch a, a rugged watch in the future.
1: I got to think if you're running an Ironman, that's hell on an iPhone ba- an, an Apple Watch battery.
0: Yes, yeah, just not built for it, but I'm guessing that if they did a rugged watch, you could have a real low power mode, because there was talk of more features coming to low power mode, so you could maybe have a, I'm doing a 24-hour marathon, whatever it may be, put my watch in
1: this mode here. Yeah. Well, we'll see, won't we? So, sleep was the next thing that they talked about.
0: I may have missed this sleep section. Were you asleep? So I'm going to hand over to you, if that's okay. No, my son was off to scout, so I, I missed that bit. That's Obviously. reasonable.
1: So this is just an update to the sleep app. It will now automatically track the stages of sleep rather than just the duration of sleep. I got to say my experience of using the Apple Watch for sleep. It's a bit hit and miss anyway. It's not entirely sure when you're asleep and when you're awake. It's it's there or thereabouts, but it's not spot on. But now it will automatically track when you go into REM sleep, when you're awake, when you're in deep sleep, and actually give you little metrics on those when you check it in the morning. It's quite useful. We now know how important sleep is as part of your health. I think if you've got the ability to track it and you don't stick your phone on ch- your watch on charge while you're asleep, then it's a useful, useful thing to have. Yeah, I think it's just another solid update to an important feature of people's health. Do you do much of this? I monitor my sleep uh, every night with my app. So I, so I don't, that's why I was asking. You yeah, course. no, I, d- um, I do. I don't use Apple's app to do it though, the bedtime app to do it, because it, when you turn it on, unless I've configured it incorrectly, it starts doing things like dimming the display and stopping giving you notifications and i don't always go to sleep at the same time every night but it wants you to so i actually use a different app sleep plus plus from the same developer that did pedometer plus plus which is a great job of sleep tracking but i'll have to try this i think if i install the beta obviously on my watch which i historically haven't i a bit nervous about installing betas on my watch but maybe we'll see i think it's uh, it's interesting
0: just a bet, what's the worst that can
1: happen everything. So the next feature they went on to, which I found particularly interesting, and I'll, I'll take this one as well, Chris, if you don't mind, as a sort of a healthcare researcher of some sort, AFib history. So a particular heart rhythm people can go into is called atrial fibrillation. It's when the atria of your heart sort of quiver and don't pump effectively into the ventricles of your heart, which are the big pumps that shove it around your lungs and then the other one of the rest of your body. AFib has a lot of complications involved with things like stroke and other things like that. So monitoring the amount of atrial fibrillation you get is really important. You tend to form clots and things like that if you're in AFib a lot. Apple watches have done atrial fibrillation detection for a while now. Ever since they introduced the heart rate sensor in was the Series Four, I think they put the the the, the heart rhythm sensor in. But it wouldn't keep a history of it. It was only when you were actively doing it, it would tell you if you were in AFib. This will now automatically track any periods of AFib they had. I did find it slightly disturbing on the on the slide that they showed that uh, AFib 14% in the last week or something like that. I think you should be getting somebody to see it if you've had 14% atrial fibrillation in the last week. That's really important that you need to get that sorted out. But yeah, interesting, solid, glad to see it. They did finish with the proviso that it still needs FDA clearance and will presumably need MHRA clearance here in the UK and other national health regulatory bodies to get these things passed off because it's not so straightforward that you can just release them. You actually need regulatory approval to do them as well, but very important, I think.
0: I'm really happy you took that one because half of what you said I don't really understand, <laughs> you did a good job.
1: Thank you. And I deeply apologize. As the explainer-in-chief, I've may have failed to got into some of the physiology there, but if somebody's really interested, interested will do a separate tutorial at some point. The healthcare version of Wake from Sleep is still to come, clearly. It's just,
0: I just don't understand stand the human body it's a mystery to me if i'm honest so um you should definitely take all that health related <laughs> topics
1: well i'll just blast straight into the next one as well then so the next feature they showed uh, for the apple watch was around uh, a medication app which i think is a brilliant idea actually in my day job one of the things we do do is we capture people's medication usage or we ask them to give, give medication usage to us so having a comprehensive list of this which people keep up to date is massively important, not just for me and and my team as researchers, but also for, for clinicians. So a concrete example of something like this is quite often the NHS being the wonderful organisation that, that, that I love to bits and I won't hear a bad word said against it, but we're not always the best at keeping things up to date in terms of IT. And quite often you'll go and see a, a new doctor or you'll be referred to a consultant and they won't have an up-to-date list of what medications you're on. It doesn't matter what where in the UK you are in the NHS, Scotland, England, Ireland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Wales, that consistency of what you're on, what your GP has prescribed for you, doesn't necessarily translate into hospitals and occasionally vice versa. Although they try and write still to this day letters to keep them up to date. So if patients and people who are interested in health keep up-to-date lists of medication on their devices that can be turned into PDFs and presented to them, I think that's a real win for healthcare providers as well as patients. And the other thing they showed as part of this is it would prompt you to take your your medications as well. So you can imagine maybe getting a little bit hard of memory in some senses, or you've got a relative you're worried about, you're actually able to share your medication list and your, and your medication interactions and, and, and dosages now and you've taken and the rest of them with your family, and they can be reassured that you've at least ticked the box in the app that you've taken your medication as long and probably are actually taking your medication as well. So I think that's a really useful thing in the same way as the, as the uh, cycle tracking app was for menstrual cycles and things like that, that Apple have built into the application over time, blood pressure, all the other health data. I think medications is a really important one and the last thing, and I'll let you get a word in edgeways in a minute, was it also has built-in drug interactions interaction list. So for example, the the example they gave was taking metronidazole, which is an antibiotic, is contraindicated with with alcohol. So those two things together, you put in metronidazole into the app and it would come up with a warning straight away, don't take alcohol with this medication. So stuff like that, I think is really important. You should be told these things by your doctor anyway, but it's good that it's sort of built in. And I presume what they're doing, at least in America, will be pulling this from American drug lists, for what's acceptable and what the contraindications are. And I would hope for the various other countries that they use the same one. So they make use of the British na- National Formulary, for example, in the UK, or whatever else is available in those countries. Do you know what?
0: Just as my wife came back today from visiting her uncle and he was getting confused with what medications he, he was taking and not taking, literally this feature then got announced. And was just like actually do you know what? It would be great if if we had something like this. So I can see the benefits for people like yourself that are, you know, working with people and you're monitoring it and you want the um, input for your research and what have you. Where And I can see the benefits just for us where you've got a relative that's living on his own and he needs that reminder of what to take and when, and so um, no, I thought they're really solid. I think they're doing some really good stuff. They're trying to do, for as much as we complain about Apple, they are trying to do lots of the right things, I think.
1: Yeah, the paranoid in me would say they're collecting a lot of information about us as well. And I know that they focus heavily on privacy, that, you know, they're not sharing this with any, it stays on your device unless you explicitly share it with, with them or a study or a relative. And I think I give them the benefit of the doubt that they have a good track record in protecting people's privacy. See various FBI cases in the past for how they've refused to unlock iPhones and all the rest of it. So of any company I'm going to trust them with my health data, it's most likely to be Apple without a reputable researcher, which obviously I trust with their credentials as a reputable researcher, I'm going to say that. But uh, yeah, I think it is very interesting. I think the health sharing stuff was good. And the statistic they shared again is that 50% of Americans are on some sort of medication. That's an awful lot of people. So I'm not surprised, really, that they're building this kind of thing in. 50% of Americans are on some sort of medication. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. What's the population of America? 273 million, something like that. So, you know... It's it's no wonder the drug companies make so much money in America. Anyway, moving along. I think that was it for watchOS. And again, good solid updates.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I'm, like I say, big big watch fan. I'm probably going to install the beta on that as well. What, what have I got to lose at this point? As long as I can open my car and drive it, I'll, I'll be happy. So uh, no, I, th- I thought it was a good solid update. It wasn't quite what I was expecting. There were rumors that there was going to be loads of stuff coming to watch OS 9. And it feels like we've got some good stuff, but... Nothing groundbreaking, unless that's going to come out actually when people start using the beta.
1: Well, often we'll find we get more features as people get into it and dig around it. And people like Steve Trout and Smith get their hand on it and and see what's actually in the tags and stuff. We'll get more information. So I suspect next week's show we will get a bit more granularity on what we're actually seeing here. So that was it for they moved on to the Mac next, which is, of course, the area of intense interest to me, in the same way the iPad will be for you later on in the show. And they announced the M2 chips were about to ship.
0: Hey, I'm interested to see some M2 chips. That's all good for me because it's going to hopefully be a matter of time before I can get one in my iPad. So I'm um, always happy to see future enhancements. And you know what I like with the chips? It just fascinates me how they just keep pushing it forwards. More power, more RAM, better power consumption so that they're processing. You know, they've got faster processors that consume less, less, less power. It just blows my mind. So it's great to see it.
1: Yeah, I think Intel have got to be crying in at their beer, really, with these continual power efficiencies. And they said that the focus for the M2 was even more power efficiency. So just the headlines I took away. They're up to 20 billion transistors in the base M2 now. They all have 24 gigabytes of RAM addressable. They won't have 24 gigabytes of RAM unless you spec them up to that level. But that's over the 16 gig RAM ceiling on the original M1, so that's a decent increase. And they're now up to a 10-core GPU in the base one, which makes me think that Ultras, by the time we get to them, are going to have really quite a few GPUs in them by the time we get to them. And an 18% performance overall CPU over the M1. Although they showed this with Apple's terrible graphs, which are, you know, very inaccurate. But still, I don't disbelieve them. It's entirely possible they do get 18% more performance. Uh, Solid update. M2 looks good kind of feeling sad about my m1 uh, macbook pro at the moment but you know it is what it is and it hasn't got old overnight
0: yeah do you know what it sounded great i've got an m1 mac mini which i use for a bit of noodling around every now and again for a bit of xcode it's a great little machine um, i kind of wish i just bought a laptop instead of a, a desktop if i'm honest because I, I would like to move it around from the shed to the house but no great machine great to see they're moving it forwards and it's an annual thing because there was talk is this going to be an annual m2 update and it is and it's fantastic
1: Yep, and we got two new hardware announcements related to the M2. Uh, very similar to last year's M1 announcements, we have a new MacBook Air and a new MacBook Pro.
0: And the new MacBook Air looks awesome. Looks really good.
1: Yeah, it really does. So it's an M2 MacBook Air. It's priced in America at $1,199 for the entry model. I don't think we've got a pricing update just yet, but that feels about... At
0: £1,249 in the UK for the base model.
1: Oh, that's sneaky. That's gone up a little bit then. It used to be like for like.
0: I'm guessing, though, this is why they've kept the M1 around as well. So you can still buy the M1, the, the previous model, which in the UK is 999. And then you can now get the M2 version, which starts at 1,249. And then there's a slightly specced up model, which is 1,549. So they're filling in lots more of these gaps. and You can really spec it up. But, but the new MacBook Air, for me, if I was Buying a Mac, that's probably the one for me because my job is largely office-based with a bit of noodling in code. I'm sure it would be perfect for
1: me. Yeah, I think this new MacBook Air is what they always wanted the MacBook to be, sort of the compromised MacBook that released it, the 11-inch MacBook from a few years ago. I think the size is right. It's got 11.3 millimeters thick. It only weighs 1.2 kilograms. It's got a 13.6-inch screen in that, so a little bit over, all it does have a notch. And the wedge design is gone. It's now flat back and forth, which I think is more in keeping with modern Apple design sensibilities.
0: But they've learned their mistake from before, and they've kept the Air name, because I think before, when they didn't update the Air and they thought people were going to go for the MacBook Pro 13-inch. They they lost the Air name, but people know they want a MacBook Air, because that's what, it's just got such a cachet. So I, I think it looks grand. I'm not a big fan of the notch on the Mac, but I get why they do it. You get a bigger screen, you get smaller bezels. The bezels are bigger than what you get on the MacBook Pro, though I did, did notice that when they did the sort of silhouette images towards the end. So you get the four colors. So it comes in a new blue color, which looks, to my eyes, really nice. It's midnight blue, but um, I thought it looked pretty good. I would love one of these if, if I was, like I said, in the Mac world. Cracking bit of kit. Just the performance of it just looks amazing. But do you know what one thing I wrote down next to it? is they've actually color matched the MagSafe cables because there's a lot of people complaining they hadn't color matched when you bought the Pro for the new MagSafe 3 cable, but they have done for the Air, which
1: is good to see. That is good to see. I hadn't picked up on that. I did see that the new ter- power adapter is available with two USB-C ports, so you can charge your phone and your Mac at the same time. And as you've said there, it's now got MagSafe uh, as opposed to just USB-C ports. It's got the MagSafe and two USB-C ports. So no HDMI like we see in the Pro ones. But uh, no, I think it's a really solid update. I think the MacBook Air is the, the Mac laptop most people should get because it's more than good enough for almost everything.
0: Yeah, do you know what? I wasn't expecting to get the ports of the bigger ones because that's what the Pro machine's for. I think they've done the right thing. You get the power, you know, the MagSafe 3, and you still then get two USB-C adapters. And I think that is the perfect compromise. Interesting, though, in the UK, if you buy the models, you get the 30-watt uh, power plug with it, but you can upgrade to a 67-watt power pa- Adapter, if you'd rather. So interesting that they've done that separation.
1: Yeah, it's the first MacBook Air to support fast charging. Fast charging is really useful. I think he said in thirty minutes you get more than sixty percent of battery, or something like that. It was fifty percent, I think. Fifty percent. So that that's fantastic. That's seven hours of battery life. Getting that up to fifty percent.
0: The stat that got me though is it's lost twenty percent of its volume. Yeah. I mean, the MacBook Air was hardly what you'd call chubby before, but losing twenty percent of its volume, amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's an it's a excellent upgrade, unlike the new MacBook Pro 13-inch.
0: Why is that still there? <laughs> so that starts at £1,349, so it's £100 more than the MacBook Air, and it's got the M2 chip, but pretty much everything else has remained the same. That's actually just gone away. You should have had the, the, the M1 Air, if they're going to keep it, the two M2 Airs, and then straight into the 14-inch MacBook Pro, in my opinion. But I'm guessing that the leap to the MacBook Pro 14-inch variant is just too high because it starts at £1,899. So so maybe it's too much, but that 13-inch one just looks wrong. It looks like it's from a different era.
1: Yeah, I agree. Not changing the form factor. The same USB ports, only two USB-C ports on the left-hand side. It's got the touch bar. It doesn't have MagSafe. The M2 is all very well. I mean, it's the laptop I'm using again for this podcast right now. It's a perfectly fine laptop, but. I think in the new day and age with M2 chips and the way the MacBook Pro has gone and how much the MacBook Air has come up, there's no place for this in this lineup and it doesn't belong here.
0: It just doesn't look right. It's the old design language. It's disappointing. So they need to either bring the 14-inch version down or spec the Air up. I think the Air will go good enough. Maybe they just needed a third model of M2 Air, which bridged the gap. Maybe that that would have been a better compromise.
1: Yeah, what I'm noticing as I look at the 13-inch MacBook Pro is that it still comes as base with 8 gigs of uh, RAM. It says, there. Yeah. I know that, but to get up to 16 gigs of RAM is another £200. To get up to 24 gigs is 400 And, you know, this is penny-pinching. I think this is a bad product uh, with a good chip that doesn't belong in the lineup.
0: Agreed. It's just it's from a different time. Yep, needs to go.
1: That was it for new hardware. I'm a bit disappointed we didn't get a Mac Pro. I'm very disappointed we didn't get a new Mac Mini because I think that would look great with an M2 in it. It was introduced alongside the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro when the M1s came along. So I think there's a gap there for me.
0: Yeah, there is. I'm sure they get there. Maybe they don't want to do too many all at once because they can't build them.
1: Yeah, it's a fair point, um... Who knows? We've it, talked it about the chip anything. shortage. It hasn't gone away, has it? And they've got a bunch of iPhones are going to release in September. So maybe they're this is some sort of deliberate ploy. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I get... Well, maybe they've got to hedge their bets a little bit. Anyway. You know, and just just study the ship. Should we move on to Macos?
1: Let, let's move on to Macos Ventura. What do you think of their name? Makes me think of Ace Ventura, Pet detective.
0: I kind of like it because I've got half a chance of being able to spell it. <laughs> which has sometimes been a problem for me because I'm not the best speller in the world. And when I'm trying to uh, duck, go for an answer, if there's an error or, you know, or something I want to find out more about, sometimes I've been struggling. So um, I'm happy I can spell it, big tick. And I quite like, they, they brought out with an orangey sort of wallpaper, which was quite nice bit colour. I thought it would look good.
1: Yeah, that is good. It is Mac OS 13. So hopefully i will have a better innings than iOS 13. They called it Ventura and not 13 on the slides. So we want an Apollo 13 moment. I did quite like Craig Federici's joke about, you know, uh, after the, marketing geniuses apple had spent so long thinking coming up with m2 after m1 and they had the three months off to recover they came up with insurer i thought that was quite funny
0: yeah they i don't know i i still want to know why why do they name it was quite funny for, for a software joke but why do they name mac os but they don't name the others they number them so i, I wish they'd put one or the other
1: I think it's just history, isn't it? We had Tiger and Mountain Lion and Snow Leopard and all these big cats, and now they've just stuck to that for OS updates and they're going with bits of California. I'm okay with it.
0: Maybe they um, need it for when they have more conference rooms at their developer (laughs) centre. They don't want to run out of names. (laughs)
1: <laughs> they want to keep going with it. Uh, anyway, uh, what come what's new in macOS Ventura? Well, I, uh, there wasn't a huge amount here for me really. So I'm hoping there's lots of bug fixes and things under the skin that they are sort of tightened up on bits and pieces. But the first thing they started off with was an application called Stage Manager.
0: And the first thing I saw when I saw this and it- was This looks like it's from the iPad, but it's not on the iPad. And then obviously when we get to the end, you'll see see why I thought that.
1: Well, it's just another window management tool as much as anything else like that. So you can turn on Stage Manager and it will group apps together. So if you're working on uh, the example they gave was researching a trip. So you've got a, maybe a spreadsheet open with a bunch of prices for what it is you're going to do within that. And you've got a couple of web pages open related to the research on that trip. You can group them. It clusters them in one window group and the window in front of you and shuffles all the rest of your window groups and windows off to the left hand side kind of like if you had your dock on the left like all right right thinking people should have when they run a mac if you're in a laptop particularly dock goes in the left people and that's the paradigm they're going to make use of from this point forward so you've got that stage manager open with those groups of apps together and then you can flick to another one and go between them so another way of managing windows as well as the things that they already give you for window management with a mac os
0: yeah, I can't see many people using this on macOS. if I'm honest. Like, it just looks like it takes up too much screen real estate.
1: Yeah, I agree. I looked at it and I thought, this is for people that can't manage their windows.
0: This is for people that use it on their iPad and then, <laughs> and then transition to a Mac.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think you've probably hit the nail on the head. It's another feature, like you said, like stacks on the desktop that I'm not going to use.
0: I'd forgotten that was still a thing. That's
1: still a thing. They then showed some updates to Spotlight, which Spotlight always gets a little bit better by adding new features. Spotlight is still miles behind the other... um, search apps and things in this nature like Alfred that I make use of heavily on the Mac uh, Raycast and others that you can put themes in, you can build APIs to you know, uh, for example, Alfred has a universal clipboard manager which copies pictures and text going back 15 items, 20 items it's got text replacement built into it where you can build quite complex macros up as well as doing things like search for files navigate around the operating system far more effectively than I can do with Spotlight I actually disable Spotlight as, as command space on my Mac is something to use and I use Alfred I'll try this in it's vanilla version version, but I struggle to believe it'll be as good as sort of the power I'm given by some of these replacement apps.
0: It, it looks all right to me, but it just looks like what well, they announce every year with it. I'll be honest, on my iPad, it's basically just a launcher for apps. I don't yeah. use app library, Gmail. I just do command space, type in an app, and I'm
1: off to the races. Yeah, and I watch people use uh, Max, and most people don't even use Spotlight. They click on the Finder, they click on Applications, and they double-click on the thing they want to run. So... I wonder how much Spotlight is used and maybe it's time in the sun, but I think people who use their Macs like that aren't watching WWDC and aren't getting these Spotlight updates anyway. Agreed. Yep, so that was Spotlight. I think the next few we can sort of race through. There were some updates to mail. The they would added undo send. They could do scheduled send and follow-up suggestions and search was overhauled. I bet that's part of Spotlight, the search being overhauled part.
0: Yeah, I've... Yeah, I'd assume so. Mail looks all right, though, but it sounds like they've done more than what they've said. There's like snooze features and this and that. They've actually done quite a bit, and, and the iPad also gets these features, and I guess iOS gets them as well. So it's quite interesting now, they're updating all the apps in parity, that sometimes you get the iOS section, and then you then get the Mac section. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, this is back over there on, on iOS, which we've already discussed. So it's good that they're doing them all in one go. Um, I do wonder how much behind the scenes the source code is the same. And I wonder how much it's not the same, but they're trying to put on a good show.
1: Well, hopefully more and more as they bring these things together. Because Mail on the iPad should be really more or less the same as it is on the Mac, as is on the phone. You know, minus the couple of sort of power features you might get using a Mac. So I'm I'm happy to see that. And if there is more features than they showed, great.
0: But there's a lot of legacy on the Mac.
1: There is a lot of legacy. So that was Mail. Uh, Safari brings us... We had tab groups at last WWDC and the last operating system. Now we've got shared tab groups, so you can share your tab groups amongst your colleagues. Why you'd want to do that is beyond me.
0: Well, I, I kind of agree, but I'm I'm keen to try it out with you, just like I said, for the podcast. So uh, maybe that's something we can try out over the summer just to see, if, is it any good? For me at work, it'd be pointless because I'm probably the only person who uses an iPad and we don't even support Macs. So I don't know, it's good. Maybe I quite like that they haven't just released them last year and left it alone. They're actually trying to move it forward in a meaningful way. So interested to see uh, where we
1: go with all of that. Yep, fair enough. The stuff about passwords I thought was particularly interesting. I know they talked about it last year. So this is, just to be explainer in chief again, there's an initiative called the FIDO Allowance, which is attempting to do away with device passwords. Or that's not entirely accurate application-based passwords for websites or whatever it is, and instead it will work on a credential such as you having an iPhone or an Android phone. It is cross-platform. It's not just an Apple thing where you use your face authentication or your fingerprint authentication on your device, and that logs you into the website or the application or your wallet or whatever it is that you're trying to, to connect to. And they've announced deeper support for this new credential, this FIDO allowance called passkeys throughout the operating system.
0: Yeah, so I've been quite looking forward to this because I'm keen to get one of those physical keys which works in the same way, but actually maybe I don't need it. If, say, Microsoft 365 starts supporting this, you know, I could save the passkey to my iPad, it would, it would sync to my phone, and then you actually don't need the physical key because you're, you're using your device to do it for you, if that makes sense. But they have linked up with Fido. They've obviously... Done this with Google, and I think they said Microsoft at the same time. So it's great. Let's let's get on with this passwordless world. i'm there, I'm hoping One Password is going to be all linked into all this stuff because I love One Password. we use it a lot at work. I use it personally, so I'm hoping it's all going to uh, come together.
1: No, I 100% agree. I use One Password extensively. I think it's an excellent app. I even don't mind the Electron move that they've made. I can cope with it. It's okay. Do you I mean like to a- fair?
0: They they nailed the
1: Electron move. They did. Do you mean like a YubiKey? Thank you. Yeah. So that is a little USB device in many cases that you can plug into your device, click a button on it, and it will autofill fill a passcode into an app that accepts it. And I suspect you're right that this is just a, you know, a different implementation of a secure device such as a YubiKey to carry authentication. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that, that's my understanding of it. I don't know how it stores it, whether it's in the secure enclave or quite how it works. So I assume it would be limited... To so touch ID Macs and not just any Mac, or maybe an M1 Mac, because you can use Touch ID keyboard with the M1 Mac Mini, for example. So, it'd be interesting to see the detail of it. But this has got to be brilliant, and I like the, how the guy phrased it. He was like, "It's going to be a long journey to get rid of passwords. This is a you know a step on that journey, which I think is the right way of phrasing it. They're not going to go away overnight, but if they are going to go away at all, we've got to get working on it."
1: Oh, I agree. My my only concern with it and as you said the the biggest players are involved with this in Facebook and Apple and, and Google. What happens when you change devices? You know, what happens when you turn in your iPhone for an Android phone or vice versa or you, you get a new Mac keyboard? Do you need to reauthenticate everywhere? How does that work? And I I suspect there's an answer, it's just my ignorance, right?
0: I think if you're in the Apple world, it sounds like they all sync between your Apple devices, but outside of the Apple world, I couldn't comment.
1: Yeah, well, we'll have to see. So watch this space, like you say. We'll have to see what happens next. There was a next focus on gaming updates. They showed No Man's Sky. We get a little gaming mention in the podcast. I have been playing No Man's Sky on my PS5 uh, this weekend. It's an excellent game. If you want something open world where you can either do a bit of exploration or crafting or farming even is in there. Uh, A little bit of uh, first-person shooter. Uh, Flying ships are in the galaxy. It's an excellent game. It looks very, very pretty. And they're bringing it to Mac
0: yeah i thought this looked great it's great they phrased it as we're gaming they didn't announce they're buying an ea which is possibly a good thing but they've clearly invested in the hardware they've, they've continued with metal which is their framework for 3d graphics in essence it's great they're bringing some games to the mac that people have heard of and hopefully this is the start of things to come more eight triple titles as they call them for really popular games and it would be great to see releases that go on not just consoles and, and windows devices but also apple devices they've got the horsepower. Let's use it.
1: Yep, they've got the GPU cores, that's for sure. They also did a little demo because you've always got a developer from a gaming uh, a demo from a gaming developer. In this case, the developer of Resident Evil, which quite an impressive tech demo. But then they always are looked good they both seem to think metal 3 was a good thing metal 3 comes up again on the ipad and and on the on ios actually that this new rendering engine for the improvements in these kinds of graphics is now across the board in macOS and, and all on these m1 chips m2 chips as we have now so yeah solid update good to see let's just hope people take advantage of it
0: i'm not sure we've had a game demo for a little while so it's <laughs> in a way it was refreshing but they used to be
1: really annoying they did. They weren't as bad as the AR demos they used to do. Anyway, moving swiftly along, some updates to continuity. So this is the continuity is the technology that powers handoff and universal control that we tried on the podcast.
0: Yeah, this looked great. So this is continuity camera. So you can just plug your you can put your camera next to your Mac and the Mac was just, go, oh, you've got your camera there. i use that because it's the better camera. I don't know if this is Apple Admitting, they've got rubbish cameras and some of their really expensive hardware. It's it looks a great feature. Um curious to know how it all works and they're going to sell a third-party belkin stand because i did wonder are they an apple stand like you know so looks looks good and it's great where your devices can they know everybody's got multiple devices this is another way they can work together look
1: brilliant so i'm really interested in this i mean just a brief thought if we flip back to the m2 macbook pro i bet that's still got the 720p camera in it that they released last year as well it's a rubbish webcam it may even be worse than the one in the apple studio display Um, You're
0: probably right
1: So that's just a thought But I actually made use of my An old iPhone as a camera Using an app called Camo In the first days of the lockdown Because my webcam was so rubbish That I've got parked on top of this screen now This one's slightly better since But My iPhone camera, as you've said, is significantly better than the one that you get on some uh, rubbishy webcam. So it's interesting they're making a stand and they showed a little feature. Not only will it do, you know, a bit of machine learning on your backgrounds and make your face look like it's got a ring light on it. So you you look your best. Fantastic. I'm, I'm dubious about how well that will work. But center stage is built into it as well in the same way that it is in your iPad. So as you move around the room, it sort of tracks you a little bit which is excellent, but I had a mode called desk view, which uh, as I think about it, I'm not entirely sure of the applications of it, where it would show your face back so show a downward pointing view as well. So you could see what was in the desk in front of you. I guess if you're maybe an examiner or something like that, and you want to see somebody wasn't cheating as they wrote a paper or wrote on the pad in front of you, as well as seeing your face at the same time, there's an application there. But if I'm on a Zoom call, I don't really want people to see what I'm doing on the desk in front of me when I'm on the call.
0: No, you don't, but if you're one of these people that stream building keyboards, that is perfect for you because you, a lot of people have that two-cam setup. So here's my desk, is that. The camera on the 13-inch map Pro, just got refreshed, is a 720B camera, which is why they said nothing in the, yeah. in the uh, so keynote today.
1: Absolute rubbish. So this is a good thing. I think, as you say, people know they've got multiple devices. Uh, I hope the stands for the Bell can make for these aren't too expensive, and it's certainly something I'll try it if I put the beta on my Mac. Have you done it yet? I haven't. I'm talking to you. I'm recording the podcast with you, Chris. What could go wrong?
0: Fair point. I'll let you off. <laughs> um, you. Looks a great update. I'm guessing I don't get this on my iPad.
1: I'm guessing you don't. But it'd be interesting. iPads have quite good cameras as well. Why couldn't you?
0: Yeah, it just doesn't have that whole hardware piece though, does it? They haven't quite got there with that yet.
1: It would look quite silly parked on top of your monitor anyway.
0: True. I can't even use the uh camera in my studio display so it would <laughs> they do need to fix that so you can pick they do so,
1: that's that's next year hopefully so the big section as far as you're concerned ipad os 60
0: yes yeah, so it made me wait till the bitter end but they did signpost quite early on that there were some pro features coming so i'm very interested in that so what have we got then so we've got the weather app finally <laughs> has come out on on the ipad they did joke about it before I think it was on like 9 to 5 Mac or Mac Rumours where they you know basically just linked to weather.com and they were joking how that was the app. So great tick, they've done that. Then they've announced, I can't remember the name, I just wrote down collaboration, this new app, freeform, which is basically like a big whiteboarding canvas app. So you could all log into it. And it'll be on your iPhone, your Mac, and your iPad, and you can basically do, you know, in essence, a shared screen, a shared canvas, put photos in it, text draw, edit, have ideas, look quite good. For me, though, it's a lot like the whiteboard you get on a Microsoft Surface Hub. So it's nice they're doing it. But again, it's Apple trying to get in the enterprise. And I, I do wonder whether, with my enterprise at work, they're too late to the show on that. So um, look good though, interested to play with that. But collaboration is clearly a big thing of of that. But. I found the collaboration thing a bit odd because you can kind of already do that in pages and in notes. So I don't really know where they're going with it, but I guess they're just trying to see like maybe that smaller business market of you don't need to buy extra tools, you can just use what's built into the OS.
1: Yeah, I w- wondered about that. I mean, it is just a bit like Google Docs for your iPad is the way that they sold yeah. it. And I know you can be in a Mac or whatever, but I think those kind of collaboration features, be you a Microsoft house or a Google house or now an Apple house, which is hard to imagine, that, that they've kind of, this is a solved problem. All they've done is maybe put a slightly different Apple-y sheen on the fact that you can see somebody's little icon when they're in collaborating, and you get a little bit of you know the, the video embedded in over the top of it as well. But I thought I this isn't something that's crying out for a solution from Apple. I think people have already got their, their Google whiteboards, their, their Microsoft whiteboards, their, their Surface laptops that they make, make use of to, to do these things. So I don't really think this is a, something that urgently needed to be solved on the iPad particularly.
0: No, I agree. And it's not just the iPad, though. It's just Apple. Maybe they're trying to, like I say, go after that small small businesses that are starting out, not big enterprises that are already in bed with Microsoft.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to see a weather app come to the iPad, not that I use that, but I see there's still no calculator app.
0: Yes, I don't, I don't really understand it. If it's on the Mac, surely it's got to be on the iPad. If just,
1: just it's on the phone, surely it's got to be on the iPad.
0: Well, yeah, there is that. So, next up was gaming. I don't think we really said much about gaming, but they just kind of wanted to re emphasize they do do gaming as well and all, all these games work. And they talk quite a bit about Game Center. I, I did zone out a bit here, but it, it sounded like they were trying to relaunch uh, Game Center, which used to be an app. Then it went away as being an app and is still not an app by the looks of things, but it's just an area in settings. So, and there's a dashboard, of, I think. So, it just seemed a bit odd. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't really know what to say about it. It feels like they're trying to get back into gaming and they've they've taken their eye off the ball a little bit, which they should do because they've got Apple Arcade. So they're there. They've, start, they've got the right hardware. They just need to try and bring it all together, I guess.
1: Yeah, I agree. A, a slightly odd focus on them. Uh, they moved on to desktop class apps, uh, which I think probably got your hopes up and then turned into be one of the most boring things I've ever seen.
0: It did get my hopes up. Look sounded great, like right, desktop class apps. What does this mean? And basically what I think this means is they've just gone through a load of the stock apps they provide in mail, reminders, files came up quite a bit, and they've done a bunch of stuff. So you can A, customize the toolbars, you can do a lot more of the same things, a lot more parity between what you can do on the Mac and what you can do on iPadOS. So you can rename files and delete folders and and duplicate and there's more menus and they just made made it, like I said, a lot more in parity. So I think this is great. This is all the right noises they should be making in my view. It's not for everybody, but it definitely is for me. So really happy to see that. And then they they also spoke a lot about reference color monitors. Um, I know the iPad Pro screen is really good, but I, I don't know what that's about. I think it's so that if you're doing some work on your Mac and then on your iPad, you can make sure that the color is in sync, I guess, and you're you're seeing the proper red hue that you're gonna be looking at, for example. But all sounds great. So it's good, good. they mentioned the word desktops are great. And also I think this does build on now where the iPad is starting to segregate slightly from iOS. It still gets all the core features, but with um, the stuff they've done previously where you've got the multi-window stuff, It's slowly starting to spawn out in its own way. So what was great here is they then went into, this is now what you can do if you've got an M1 iPad. So you can now do desktop scaling, which if you go and find the setting, previously you could just have normal or you could have everything enlarged like you can on your iPhone. They've now got one that's more dense in essence. So everything's been reduced a lot smaller so you can fit more content on the screen, which on my iPad looks awesome and is actually... Looks a bit less teletubby-esque, you know. You're actually making use of all those pixels because you know it. You know it's got the density to do it. So everything's just that little bit smaller, and you can fit more in, which is great. Then they went on and they spoke about virtual memory and how aware it's got the M1 chip and the iPad OS now supports virtual memory buffering and you know it can move things in and out of eight RAM. And the iPad comes with a maximum of sixteen gig. Most come with eight. And it can move things in and out of virtual memory and into RAM. So it's a big tick. And then they announced Stage Manager, which is the same thing we've got on macOS, which looked like it come from the iPad, which is just a way of you having three or four windows together and then having four sets of them, basically. So a version of multitasking, which I've just been looking at whilst we've been podcasting, which looks quite cool, but you can't go away to the edge on it, which is a bit odd. And you've got a little glyph in the bottom right corner so you can resize the windows so you can... You know, you could have four up tiled or you can have them overlapping. I'm amazed they've done overlapping windows. I thought that day would never come. Not that I overly wanted overlapping windows, if I'm honest, but it's great that the teams have brought a lot of flexibility in a, in a point update. Maybe this was the update they'd hoped to bring a year ago when we got the M1, but they j- it just wasn't ready. But it feels like this is why we went to the M1 last year. This is the second shoe to drop.
1: Yeah, I was quite impressed with the M1 specific stuff. What is the price of a base model M1 iPad? You
0: can buy an iPad Air for about 570 quid in the UK, which comes with 8 gig of RAM, M1, uh, Touch ID. It's a great device. Yeah. I recommend okay. it to
1: nearly everybody. Is the screen good enough on that to do the stage manager?
0: Uh, it's 11-inch screen, so it should be fine. Well, a 10.9-inch screen, so it's... Um, you know slightly smaller than the one that you get on the ipad pro 11 inch so i think it would be okay for that what is odd with the stage manager thing is you can't go away to the top you can't go away to the right hand side and you have to have the dock showing so they need to allow you to fill a bit more of the screen but if you have the denser screen option at least you can fit a lot more content in if that makes sense and then the final thing they spoke about was external display support which i haven't tried because i'm podcasting with you and you're going through my monitor at the moment so that's the next thing to try and again you can do that stage manager thing on your on your nice 27 inch apple studio display so i'm really chuffed i bought my studio display really chuffed i've got it in my office and i'm going to try that out next so for me everything's come together and it's a free update, which is pretty good.
1: Yeah. Remember, it's not live yet. And we should probably say said at the top of the show, if you're in any doubt at all about installing these things, and you're not an Apple developer, this isn't available to you yet. And you should not, should not be installing beta versions of the operating system on your production devices unless you're completely mental. There will be pain. Things don't work. I had one year where the, they brought Apple Maps to the car and the directions, and it tried to take me the wrong way down the M1 on a roundabout. So do not depend on these things to get your work done or possibly take your life in your hands, unless you're paying attention when you drive, which thankfully I was when you install beta operating systems. Uh, It's a funny time of year and we will obviously report on it because it's interesting and we're, we're in the game, but I would say don't go off seeking a key to make use of one of these things because your device will probably break in a horrible way.
0: Yeah. I've installed it on my big iPad thinking I could always restore back. I made sure I did all my backups. Um, super impressed that actually outlook and teams both seem to work okay and are resizable which is something that they haven't been built against but seem to work really well looks really good looks like a great update i haven't had my usual crashes that you normally get it seems like there's a few bits not implemented yet but on the whole very happy bunny here i am going on a train journey for six hours tomorrow so at least i've got something new to play with but i'm going to take my backup ipad with me just in case, because I may have also just installed it on my phone while we while we've been podcasting. So it's going to be interesting to see if I can unlock my car
1: when we get off. Well, I'm glad you've taken one for the team. I'll I'll let you feedback to me on how much uh, how many things are broken before I take the leap on my phone, particularly and definitely not on my Mac. Much as I want to put on my Mac, there are some features that I'd quite like to test out on the Mac, as I always do. I don't think I'm taking the chance just yet. So altogether, then, Chris, a good WWDC.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I've got what I wanted out of my iPad. For a person who uses iPad all the time, perfect. You know, there are probably some bits I would slightly change with my playing with it, but you know what? I can do multiple windows. I can do external monitor support. Very happy with all of that. So, yeah, looking, looking forward to trying out and using it a bit more in earnest.
1: Yeah, I think for me, the macOS updates look solid. I need to do a bit more reading about the, the sort of improvements they have brought to some of the core apps. I am quite interested in the in the continuity thing on using the iPhone as a camera. Like I say, that's something I've, I've been keen on before. Some good features, particularly with the lock screen on my phone, I'll let you get back to me and, and view Twitter, interestedly, before I take the leap myself. Um,
0: Interesting on the lock screen one, it doesn't look like that is out on the iPad. They've changed the font for the clock, but you can't actually do all that other stuff, which is a bit like notifications in a previous year it came out, but you couldn't really do anything with it on the iPad. So it looks like the iPad is behind there for, for some reason, but hey, I'll take all the other stuff they've given us instead, which is probably the reason I've installed on my phone is so that I can see see what all the lock screen fuss is going to be about.
1: Nice. Nope. Fair enough. Yeah. For me also... Uh... A good WWDC year. There's a few surprising gaps and things we might have expected to, to see, but I think all the updates are solid. The stuff to messages had to happen. Like I say, I think the continuity stuff for the Mac is good. I'm excited to see development on the iPad side. I mean, I have built an iPad app and it's been it's been tested amongst people, so I'm quite interested. I would guess I'm gonna to have to fire that up again and see how that's impacted with the scaling. Uh, thing on MacBook Pros, you know, uh, on, on M1 iPads, because, you know, that might have an impact on what, what goes on there too. So I'm not, uh, for all I come over as negative about the iPad, I'm not entirely negative And I'm I'm quite excited to see them push the platform along in a meaningful way. If it can turn into people's full-time computers, which was always the intention for it, more power to them.
0: It's great to see what they've done with it. I'm uh, properly amazed. And the scaling thing, like I said, I've just fired up Outlook and Teams, and Teams is being buggy as hell just on a regular ipad just the whole way the 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 way some of the bars format and and like the toolbar at the bottom drops off sometimes and you've got to just relaunch it it actually seems to be pretty good so i'm really curious to see how it's all gonna all gonna pan out from honest so yeah it's gonna be an interesting couple of weeks
1: good stuff excellent any surprising things missing hardware wise we weren't expecting any hardware at all necessarily i seem to recall from our predictions last last week so anything surprising
0: I think for me it's a few things they didn't mention was no Mac Pro when they really hinted towards it at the March event but I'm assuming they're holding the Mac Pro until the M2 the whole lineup and then they'll launch the Mac Pro at the end of the M2 lineup would be my view it's gonna be hard to launch the Mac Pro now with an M2 and go it's amazing and then launch a lesser machine afterwards you know, like with the MacBook Pro, for example. So I'm assuming that comes at the end. But I thought they would have done because they dropped a big hint about it. They said no more M1s and they said they got a Mac Pro to do. So I'm assuming that comes next. No real mention of tvOS, but they didn't really do much for tvOS last time. So probably not a big surprise. No mention of anything AR related and no yeah. mention of any form of interactive widgets.
1: I was surprised with nothing AR related because, you know, as we've said in previous WWDCs, there's been something, all these LiDAR sensors and the phone and the um, and the iPad Pros, they've got the ability to do it. They normally we let a developer to go, oh, look at this amazing game that you can play in or on the table or, or, or whatever it would be, and absolutely nothing. So maybe there's the shoe to drop there as State of the Union or on one of the, you know, call, the one of the um, lectures later on. But I mean, no- they
0: definitely had enough in the keynote today, I think. Maybe that yeah, would have been a step too far and maybe they'd don't want to overplay their cards until they're ready
1: yeah fair point no i think it's a good wwdc i'm looking forward to trying out some of the software Uh, i also have the beats installed on my ipad non m1 and i noticed the change to the font but i don't know how much other things i'm going to see different really though i've got a weather app on it anyway so we'll see how it goes and so far it's been stable and outlook runs for me too so there you go
0: happy days let's hope we've got a stable summer
1: a stable summer that seems a good point to stop on so we've got a few things to report back on next week as we potentially beta more and more of our devices and we'll feed back to you about that but um pretty exciting day all around yeah no I'm very happy good good update we'll call it a show there and
0: yeah, we've to next gone week. long this week
1: yeah we have gone long i think i've been appled out my brain's leaking out my ear so uh yeah
0: all right cheers rod i'll see you next week
1: I'll see you next week. And don't forget, uh, you can get in touch with us at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com or we're at WFS underscore podcast on Twitter. See you next week.
0: Cheers, Rod. Bye-bye.